Hey guys, happy Friday! I don't work this weekend, so I'm pretty pumped about it because I work every weekend. Uh, and I hope that you also have an amazing weekend because I know I will. Last week, I talked about when Mike's addiction came to a crisis point, kind of the turning point for Preston anyway, and how I handled that, how I got Preston through the initial weeks after Mike's crisis, which was having Preston removed from his home. And at the end of that episode, I had said that because of Mike's addiction and Mike's subsequent suicide, that puts Preston at a higher risk for both addiction and suicide. That's terrifying. Uh, I, I remember people telling me specifically, don't look up statistics because they will scare you. Just don't do it. So obviously I did because I am a glutton for punishment. So in my research, I found that children of suicide or survivors of suicide that happen to be children are more likely to do the same thing, to commit suicide. And I haven't gone into detail about Mike's suicide yet. I will get there. Um, I'm going to be doing his suicide episode on his anniversary, which is October 21st. So keep a listen out for that. But so I'm not going to get too into the suicide stuff and the suicide risk factors at this point, just because it's not something I have yet. I have covered yet. As far as addiction goes, I have done research and prep for this episode and I kind of decided that it would be best to talk about what I know and what I did and what has worked for my family. But in that reading, which I already knew, addiction is a generational trauma. And with generational trauma, it just trickles down to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. For example, my great great grandmother was an alcoholic my great grandpa was an alcoholic my grandpa was an alcoholic my dad was an alcoholic my brother is now an addict not alcohol but is an addict so it trickles down and it's because i feel i feel it's because children of addicts who are around their addicted parent sees that that's how they cope with stress or cope with anything, anger, happiness, you name it. That's how they deal with it. And so they learn that that's a way to deal with it. And when you grow up with an addicted parent, more often than not, you're neglected. You may not have enough food in the house. You may not feel loved or be told that you're loved. You may be physically, emotionally, Uh, verbally, sexually abused. And so automatically you have trauma that you need to cope with. And how you learned how to cope from your parent was a substance. So I believe that that is how it kind of gets passed down. There's also talk about um, an addictive gene 
which my mom wholeheartedly believes is a thing. Every time I drink, she asks me if I like playing Russian roulette because just one drink can turn me into an alcoholic. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Again, I'm not an expert on addiction. I've said that before, but I am definitely not an expert on addiction. But I don't believe that just because my dad is an alcoholic means I have to be one. I have chosen to, since I found out I was pregnant, I have chosen a different life for my child. I chose to stop that generational trauma. Addiction will not come into my home. Or at least I thought. I obviously, when I got pregnant, did not know about Mike's addiction. I did not know that even though I had put up barriers in my head, which every person does before they have a child, they think they know exactly how they're going to take care of it. (laughs) Uh, And it's never the case. (laughs) But I had set up these boundaries that, yeah, my dad, who's an alcoholic, is not going to get to meet my son. And family members I know that are addicted will not be around my child. And that doesn't bother me. I'm not sad about it because I'm keeping my child safe. But what do you do when the other half of your child's parents is an addict? What do you do? How do you, how do you cope with that? I'm still learning. I still have no idea. (laughs) But I think I'm getting off topic. (laughs) I'm getting off topic. Shocker. Um... I'm talking about how I want to talk about the steps that I am taking to prevent Preston from becoming an addict. Number, the number one thing that I am doing with Preston, and again, he's very young still. He just turned 12. So drugs are not being thrown in his face yet. They absolutely will be, but they're not yet. So all of the stuff that I am doing is not proven because Preston is still young. But the number one thing that I have chosen to do with Preston is to talk to him and be honest with him as much as I possibly can. And I will preach this forever, my entire podcast. It is important, I feel, to be honest with your kids and to talk to them in a way that they will understand because they already know that something's going on. They already know. For example, Preston told me about a drug deal his dad did. He didn't know it was a drug deal, but he just said, mom, me and my dad went to that Rite Aid before. It was really dark. It was really dark at nighttime and I was really tired, but my dad went there and met his friend in the parking lot and he got out of the car, but it was really short. And then he got back in and we drove away. Okay. Why else would you be meeting in a dark ass parking lot in the middle of the night in a sketchy part of town? You know what I mean? That's obviously a drug deal. He didn't know that at the time, though. But he knew something was going on. And he would always say to me, Mom, why is Dad so tired? Why is Dad so tired? Dad says that he is always in pain. Why is Daddy always in pain? He would say these things to me as a five-year-old. And even before that, even before he was five. So to me and to me and therapists that I have talked with 
in regards to Preston. It's kind of a consensus. Kids know more than you think they do. And so instead of Preston filling his head with ideas of what he thought was happening or putting the blame on himself or whatever things he could come up with in his tiny little brain, I decided to squash him. And I explained to him what was going on. And this really came to a head when he was, how old was he? It was in 2017. So he would have been eight, eight. Um, At the time he was seeing Mike once a month, once every six weeks. And it was only for a couple hours at a time. But he said, I haven't seen daddy in like six months. I hope that I didn't do anything to upset him. That was the first time in his life that he put the blame on himself. And that was when I knew like, nope, this is, we are not doing this. This is not your fault. And I sat him down right then. And I said, honey, we need to have a talk because you are not to blame. Daddy has a problem with, with, medications that the doctor would give you. Um, but he doesn't use them in that way. Sometimes people use medicine as a way to make them really calm and relaxed. And when you do that, sometimes you can get addicted. And then I explained what addicted was. Addicted is when all you can think about is, is getting those pills and nothing else really matters because That's all you can think about. You just want to be relaxed and calm. And that has nothing to do with him. And that his dad had this addiction before he was born that I just didn't know about it. But there's nothing that he could do to fix it. This is something that daddy has to do. And then he said, well, is that why the police took me out of his house? (laughs) You know, three years earlier. And I told him, yes, that's part of the reason that the police took you out. Because when somebody is addicted to something, it is usually not a safe environment for children. And then I told him about my dad being an alcoholic and how that was unsafe. And how it was unsafe because my dad didn't know when to not drink. And I told him about a story when my dad got into a drunk driving car accident with me and my brother. How even though he loved us, in that moment, he loved the alcohol more. So I told Preston that Mike loved him as much as he possibly could, more than any other person in the world. But sometimes the pills are more important, and that's why it is an addiction. Uh, he didn't really understand right away. Um, he got upset And for him, he wanted to, the way to deal with his confusion maybe, or um, I can't think of the right word, how his feelings, these were very big feelings he was feeling and he didn't know how to handle them. So what he did was he ran out of our house and went and got on his bike and rode to his friend's house because playing for him was a way to process it almost Um, and that was very hard for me to let him run away after telling him this important stuff but he did and I let him do what he needed to do mostly because my husband held me back like I was trying to fight somebody but really I was just trying to smother my son 
with my love. Anyway, I digress. So going back to my list, number one is talk to your kids, explain it in a way that they will understand. That is huge. And there's much more that went into the conversation with Preston about the drugs that his dad did, but summing it up, that's what was said. And it was made very clear that Preston could come to me and ask me any questions he wanted to at any time. And as I mentioned before, he absolutely took me up on that offer uh, and asked me questions that I had no idea what to say. Which brings me to tip number two, or how I am trying to prevent my son from becoming an addict. I let him ask questions. I let him ask questions about anything and everything. Nothing is off the table. And sometimes he comes up with some doozies that leave me speechless. And it is okay to say, because I have said this numerous times, Preston, I'm not really sure how to answer that right now. So I'm going to think about it. And I am going to talk to you about it when I come up with a way that I want to tell you. Or, I mean, I'm saying that really poorly, but regardless, what what I say is, I'm not sure how to answer that. Let me think about it. That is perfectly acceptable because these questions are something they have been thinking about for a while when they ask you. So your answer is important and it's okay to think about it and not give them an answer right away. That is okay. And I recommend doing that because if I'm going to answer him off the seat of my pants, he will take that as Bible. You know what I mean? And it's not. So it is important to think about it and really decide how you want to respond and how you want to respond. It's important. Another way is being very open about drugs and what they do to people and talking about my dad and my experience as a child. I can't speak to Preston's experience because my experience with his dad and his experience with his dad are different and they will forever be different. And he doesn't need to know my how my relationship was with his dad. He doesn't need to know that. He just needs to know that how he's feeling and his relationship with his dad is okay. Because there is no right way to handle addiction. Especially when you're a child and it's your parent. There is no right way. But I explained to him how I went through a phase where I wrote my dad's dad letters almost every day and I never heard back. I talked to him about how I used to pray for my dad every day. And then he asked me, were you ever mad at your dad? Oh, my sweet baby, was I ever mad at my dad? Most of my life has spent being angry at my dad. But eventually you got to let it go. That's not what I said to him. But I said, yes, of course I was angry with my dad. And this is a very big, important thing I did for Preston. Very big, very important. If you listen to nothing else, listen to what I'm about to say. I gave him permission to feel angry with his dad. Don't mishear me. I didn't 
I did not sway his mind to be angry with his dad. I did not tell him he should be angry with his dad. I told him it was okay to be angry with his dad. I gave him permission because the what he was showing me is that he was confused about his feelings. He loved his dad, but he also felt angry at him. And he didn't know how to express that. How can you, to a child, that's almost like opposites, being angry and loving. Those are two very strong emotions that usually, to a child, contradict each other. So I gave him permission. I said, honey, you can absolutely love your dad. You should love your dad, that's your dad. Just like I love you, sometimes I'm angry at you and sometimes I don't wanna be around you. That does not mean that I don't love you. I forever love you, but sometimes I don't like you. And that is okay, that is normal, that is healthy. So if you're feeling feelings of anger uh, towards your dad, that is okay. That does not mean that you don't love him. It means you don't like his decisions and that's okay. That's okay and it's even okay if you feel like you need to say that to him, that is okay. However you are feeling is okay. It was a big deal to give him permission because again, these are feelings that they don't understand how to process. They're feelings that adults don't know how to process, honestly. So I think giving Preston the power to feel his feelings and to feel comfortable asking questions and to know that I would tell him the truth as much as I could, I think those are key in helping to stop this generational trend of addiction. I asked him what I should tell parents whose child is dealing with the same thing he did and that one of I, I I'm struggling with how to put this where it sounds right so he knows I'm doing this podcast he knows I got his permission to do this podcast but I asked him what advice would you give to parents helping their kid through their parent being addicted essentially and the first thing he told me was talk to your kids and tell them about the addiction as soon as you think they're ready to know it. That was the number one thing he said to me. And he said it instantly. He didn't even have to think about it. Talk to your kids. That's what he said. Another one he said, which I fail at to this day, is when you talk to your kids about the addiction or suicide in our situation, don't have emotions. Because if when I was talking to him about his dad's addiction for the first time, I cried. And when I talked to him about the suicide, I cried. And to this day, talking to him about his dad and his dad's decisions, sometimes I cry. Um, he told me that that's not helpful because there were some times when he didn't feel sad, but he saw me crying. So he felt like he should be sad, even though he wasn't. And that was confusing for him. My 12-year-old said this to me, you guys. Are you kidding me? So his number two advice is when you're talking to your kids, 
Tell them facts. Don't give emotion because they may not be feeling the emotion that you are. And it needs to feel safe for them and okay for them to feel whatever emotions they're feeling without any input from an adult. That is so powerful to me and something that I have not thought about. We can break this generational addiction, generational trauma. We can break it. It's hard work though, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. I hope that you guys got something out of this. I understand that there was a lot of digression (laughs) um, because I'm not good at planning. I'm not good at taking notes. I've been given advice to take notes, but I will get so caught up in reading what I wrote that it won't be genuine. So maybe eventually I'll get better at this and can do notes, but for now I can't. So I apologize that it's a hot mess, but I promise you that in the hot mess, there is some good information and I hope that you're able to sniff it out. Anyway, I hope you guys have a great week and I will talk to you again next Friday.